This Saturday morning, I celebrate 19 years of the Gesundheit with Jacobus radio show. Please join me for this anniversary as I will host open lines. Topics will include nutrients for eye health, intuitive medicine, and the importance of regular physical movement. Thank you for being a part of my 19-year journey. I look forward to talking with you this Saturday morning. It's Gesundheit with Jacobus. Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Well, good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to be with you. And of course, I am excited, as I mentioned in the promo, I'm celebrating 19 years of Gesundheit with Jacobus. The official date is July 9, but this is the closest that would be. Next week, I have another guest. And uh, so I thought, what what a special time, 19 years to to reflect. Uh, nine, a lot has happened in 19 years, for, for sure. My kids have sure grown up, and our parents, or definitely all of them are married, but they were all teenagers at the time. And, um, you know, my life has changed definitely uh, quite a bit in 19 years. I hope that the contents of all the shows that I have hosted throughout the years, and I've had a few guest hosts on top of that. I know Dr. Mark Harris, Dr. Robert Lemley, uh, Robert Warbeck, um, Carol Nicholson. They have all hosted the show for me and uh, when I was out of town, but we are talking here about uh, 906 live shows today and 19 years of doing this July 9 2000 when we started and we, who had any idea even George Carter at the time was going you think you can fill six months and I said I'm sure we got to be able to fill six months that was kind of the requirement because at that time shows were being planned six months at a time so probably what happened was that uh, July 1st at the end of June July 1st Probably would be the first one. Maybe it didn't work on the second, so he had me start on the ninth. And it just had to do with how they were going to pipe in programming from um, uh, syndicated shows from Atlanta or Denver or whatever. So here we are all these years later, and I have to tell you, it has been quite a journey. I would say with more ups than downs, but uh, there are times when it is tough to get everything ready for the show. And, and I often say it is... Um, it is, at this point, I feel I'm running out of time before I run out of topics to talk about. We'll see if that works today. Anyway, I, I think that for me, once I really get going in the topic, it's so exciting. There's so much to learn, so much to know. When I have experts on the show, it shows you that these people really have studied this, and this is part of their life. It's such a part of their life, how they communicate with others, how they have made a profession out of it, how it has become a passion of theirs, 
and for me to 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 chime in with what I have read about the topic or my own enthusiasm, I often find that we 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 start feeding off each other. And to me, that is awesome because I think anytime you have an expert on a show who sits across from somebody who is actually interested in the topic and not just there to fill the three-hour time slot, I think as an expert, you get excited too because you go, okay, we can have a conversation here about something that I really love to do. And so I always felt it was my responsibility as a host to understand where they were going, what where they are going, and to simply prepare myself for that for that moment and and i i ask my guests to help me with an agenda so that i have a rough idea what they would like to discuss in this one show and as you know many people have several people well quite a few people have been on several times i still think that dr dan carter who has left and went to portland uh has the record i think he had th- was on 35 or 36 times Marion bakra our clinical nutritionist has been on about 30 times. That would be number two. And then we've had people who have been on seven or eight or 10 times. Uh, Dr. Sexton last week was on, I think that was his 10th or 11th time. So over the years, it sounds like a lot, but you're talking about 19 years. And so for me, it has been in, in definitely an, a very educational process to, uh, I have learned so much. And that is one thing I didn't know 19 years ago what I would learn and the insights I would get about so different, so many different parts and sides of medicine and healing. And in reality, it I really am humbled because once you know a little bit, you think you know a lot. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. We feel like, okay, we can continue in this conversation and we can we can contribute to this conversation. And because I read about it and I know something about it. And then when you actually start talking and you realize how intricate and delicate and precise and thorough these different topics are, I am humbled by the fact that I have sit with experts and they gave me actually an hour or two or three hours to share what they know, some of the things that they know. So I'm very grateful. I'm grateful that it has continued this far and that the show has been well received. I, I have a feeling <laughs> lately I've been talking to people who come up to me and tell me that they're listening to my show uh, much more in the last two weeks, two and a half weeks than I've had for, you know, for, for a decade. And so I'm very happy that people are listening. Um, maybe I'm finding out more about you. Maybe I need to hear about this. Uh, that that are people listening because I don't always know, or maybe you do enjoy the topic and maybe you are learning something just like I am learning so much about these different topics in my preparation and in conversation. So thank you so much for all your support. I am I'm just it's it's how do I say it? It's not a cliche when I say that I am humbled to know that people are actually listening to what I'm saying or what I'm asking guests and that you are enjoying a show that goes more in-depth into health topics than just a quick five-minute rundown. There is a lot to know about the human body and a lot to know about the human mind and a lot to know about the human spirit. 
and the emotions. There is a lot to know. And there are experts who have delved into it, who have written books about it, who have studied it, who work with colleagues, who become better because this has become their passion and their path. It's their path. They feel responsible to find new uh, developments, to, to do new, make new discoveries because the world is ever-changing and because of the new research that's coming out in one field, it can actually start to help the research and the development of new products or new therapies in another field. And that, to me, is also very interesting. And, of course, we're living in the information age, so people be able to get or steal from each other in this day and age is is rampant. And rampant, I don't mean it in a person in a negative way, but it is definitely happening a lot. So the communication is quicker. The research seems to accelerate because of better equipment. And I'm sitting just here at the receiving end, just gathering information about the amazing work that people are doing. And so for me to sit here and to learn and to, to, to communicate with others, and now in this case with you, about health developments and, and things that we have known, but sometimes we need to reiterate it a little bit to just get our mind wrapped around certain concepts again, which I hope to do today, that you sometimes it's a wake-up call. I think a lot of us, when we hear things and they really make sense, I always have a feeling, for myself at least, I probably had the knowledge already. Maybe I forgot part of it. And now I hear it again and I go like, of course, yes, 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 I know it makes sense, makes total sense. And I think that many of you will have similar things when you are in conversation with other people. They say, yeah, 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 I know that, you know, that it's almost we've forgotten about it, but it makes so much sense. We probably activate some kind of a memory in who we are and in our minds and brains to make this work. So it's really special, and I, I tell you what, uh, for me to, to be here and to enjoy these moments and to change, to change topics every week, that's always been my purpose. Let's not continue with the same thing over and over and over again. And uh, we have a caller on hold. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the program today. What is your name, and how can we help you? Good morning. This is Joe. Hello, Joe. Uh, I want to remind you a couple of things. Uh-huh. A, law, a lawyer is as good as his client, and a client is as good as his lawyer. Uh-huh. What you forgot, and people should know, yes, 19 years is a number, but it's 19 years of weekends besides working during the week. Doctors, lawyers, politicians, they all rush for the weekend. But you're there faithfully, 19 years. Yeah, it's a long time. I know I know all about these things because I've given a lot of my life seven days a week. And I feel that whether somebody appreciated it or not, I know I did. I made my mark to help people. But yeah. what you have done is gave up also, and I know all about it, is the weekend that everybody forgets. And the station that you're on is a great station, not just because of politics or anything like that, is that they're giving you the opportunity, and they should also be grateful that they have a person like you that's dedicated. That's the key. Well, thank you, Joe. Dedication. 
Mm. Okay? You're a loyal person to the to this to, let's say Montana or wherever your voice and your program goes. And I want to just be on record, not take anybody else's time, but you've even contributed to things that I thought I had down pat for my fighters and people that I took care of in nursing homes. Yeah. And yet you opened my eyes even further with your guests and the people that have been on your program. Well, that's so very I nice. That, hey, I hope you have another 1,900 years. All right. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have a great day, my friend. Thank you, Joe. Thank, Much appreciated. Forget, yeah, forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> All right, that's very nice. Joe is my boxing coach. That's uh, very nice. He he just turned 80 a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And to see the energy of this man and the mind of this man, uh, to witness that, it's, it's an absolute delight. So uh, if anybody of you is ever wanting to learn how to box, contact Joe Diaz. I can get you in touch with him if you don't know it. But um, he works with people in their 60s. Well, I just started learning, and I'm 59. I just started learning uh, about three months ago. So, and, and Joe said, there's no hope. There's no future for me. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that, but it's, uh, I'm a little on the stiff side. He said too stiff from using weights, but I tell you what, he is working with people in the sixties, seventies and eighties. It doesn't matter what age you are. Anybody can learn to box and to defend themselves and to learn this amazing technique and how many parts of the body you use. So I tell you what, if you have ever thought about it, it's not that you are have to stand in the ring and get uh, get punched in the face. Uh, there is a lot of bo- about boxing that you can learn without ever getting hit by anybody. So as far as conditioning and technique and using the body is concerned, uh, Joe Diaz, in my opinion, is the expert. He has trained over 27 world champions and more than 8,600 athletes in his life. So quite a record, and uh, I appreciate Really, very much, Joe, the words you use and your support of listening to the show. So, you know, the the California aftershocks, um, they keep coming. I mean, there is now another one in California, 7.1. More damage, fires. We'll wait and see if there is going to be a bigger one, if this is it. Um, It's always been the, the fault line, the Andreas fault line, right there in, in, in California. Sometimes, you know, you just don't know if that the shock wave is at some point going to hit right over here. And I know that experts, again, experts are looking at Yellowstone and underneath Yellowstone and they see some activity. I'm sure they give us warning, but uh, how much can really be done? We don't know. Um, but Mother Earth is talking to us. Mother Earth is shaking Mother Earth is waking up, and um, we need to be respectful of that in any way, shape, or form. But we are representing Mother Earth, and depending on how we live and think and feel and act with each other and how we talk to each other, these are all things that are recorded in the planet. And we therefore, you know, it, it, we therefore have a responsibility always how we use our words and how we have an attitude towards others in in the way we live life. Uh, we take care of ourselves, then you'll start realizing that your respect 
and your communication with others, others is improving. You improve yourself, you will see and help the improvement in others who are close to you. And others who are close, maybe the fact that you start working on yourself is because you were inspired by somebody else who was working on themselves. So what is a chain reaction that can happen by simply starting the right step in the right direction, the baby step, how that, how that domino effect starts working on other people, not in a way you don't want to see like oh, everybody's falling down. No, we're all standing up. We're all straight and we have a straight back and we feel strong and we feel good and we feel responsible and we start taking care of ourselves better. All of a sudden you realize that planet Earth is acting better. I, I have to say the article yesterday in the Chronicle about global warming that was uh, July 5 about uh, planting like a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a million trees or something like that. Uh, or was it a trillion trees or a billion trees? Uh, this research will say that trees uh, process more CO2 than, than anything else, and especially young trees. And they figure that if you were going to plant like a, like a billion trees or so uh, in the world, if there is enough room, and they were talking about Russia, United States, Canada, Brazil, amongst other places, there is plenty of space to build the trees. They are the lungs of the planet, and they could take care of, about that amount of trees could undo the damage done 25 years of human activity on the planet as far as we're concerned about global warming. Uh, if, 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 if the people are saying, well, it's human behavior, I'm not saying it is not, but the trees, when you look what we have done to trees, if you think about this, you know, so you start thinking any further, and you go, okay, so... They're chopping down the rainforest in Brazil, which has been unbelievable damage. And I understand that they're finding great medicine in the rainforest, but the chopping down of trees and the killing of wildlife, you sometimes have to wonder, is it really that necessary? But you also look over here in the United States. Most of the homes, especially in the West, are built with wood. So you look at how many homes we have, how much wood has been used, those trees are all cut down, and they they cannot process the CO2 anymore. So there is the working of cutting down trees and then the working of what we've done with the technology that has developed and the use of fossil fuels, etc., plastics. I mean, if you think about what we've done with the fuels and making plastics out of it, and we use everybody uses plastics. There's nobody who can be plastic-free at this point, Um well, maybe Alan Bell, when he was on my radio show talking about uh, his own toxicity level, that he lives in a house without any of the allergens. But we all use plastics on our phones, in our cars, you know, in, in, in containers, in something we drink. Plastic, plastic, plastic. And you look at the estrogenic compounds that have been found in the BPA, even in the BPA-free bottles that are available, they feel there's other substances in there that are maybe even more dangerous than the BPA. So we add all that up by 7 billion people. Not everybody uses it, but how many people use multiple numbers? You do that every day, you do it every year, uh, a decade, several decades, five decades that we've been using medications, uh, hormone medications, hormone, the, the pill, the hormone replacement therapies, the creams, the lotions, 
the makeups. You look at all this stuff that has these estrogenic compounds in it that and other chemicals that are not the aluminum, the fluoride, etc., etc., that all ends up somewhere in the groundwater. So you cannot just say it is just a bunch of fossil fuels. It all is important. But there are many things that people do in their own life that, you know, and let's face it, many people do not have the discipline to dump it all. We're just, just part of life, part of modern life, so to say. We all want the latest and greatest, and we don't always look what the exact ingredients are and if they're toxic, but we put them in our house. Uh, we use them on a daily basis. Uh, we drive in them, and then we're wondering why there is a problem. And most people will not give up their habits. They just want other people to give it up. It, it's, 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 a, it's a problem. You know, it's a problem that has escalated into what we call now a changing in the climate on the planet. But then again, there are, we also know that the planet, the, the circle of the planet around the sun is changing. The sun is having flashes and the those flashes bring more heat. So we are the third rock from the sun. So we we get some of that. So the changes. When it's funny when you sometimes look at when you sometimes look at the weather temperature and they tell you when the record temperature was the same day, and then you see like it was like a hundred degrees in nineteen twenty one. And then you go, okay, well, nineteen twenty one. I mean, nobody was then talking about global warming. So in any case, it, it's it's a fad. There is something that it, that can, I'm saying it's a fad because it has been exaggerated. Is it happening? Sure, it is happening because the facts are there. Is it causing the damage that everybody is saying it is? It that's just that's debatable. Is there something we can do about it? Absolutely. You know, we can we can plant more trees. I thought it was a great idea. And what are we willing to give up in our own life? So in any case, folks, I really appreciate you with me. We're gonna take a short break. When I come back, more news for you, and then we hit the topic. Stay tuned. So one of the things I wanted to discuss today <clears throat> was eye health. I think I mentioned that in the promo leading up to the, uh, to the show. Eye health, nutrients for eye care, and also something about intuitive healing, intuitive medicine, and also about the importance of exercising. And exercising it can be a complex issue because everybody right away says, oh my God, I got to get the old spandex back out and the leotards and all that stuff. No, you don't have, it. there's nothing to do with it. Well, it could be, you know, some of you would probably look pretty good in it, but it is not, that is not what it is all about. It is literally become physically active. And how do we do that? How important? What can we do? What can we do in this stage of our life? If you're 80, what can you do? If you're 70 or 60, if you've been in a car accident, if you if part of your body is not functioning, it's very, very difficult to become motivated to do anything. When you start f being hunched over because of pain in your lower back, it's very difficult to start thinking about exercises. If, you're, if your legs hurt, if you have gout, if you have headaches, it's very difficult to start thinking about exercising or movement. You rather lay in bed or you rather lay, sit on the couch. And I understand all that, but it's all baby steps. It's not how you feel today about movement, literally movement. It is where you could possibly be in a year from now. 
You have to look ahead. They don't even Joe Diaz when he is training me, and I get a little frustrated with the fact that there are certain certain boxing techniques I just can't get. I just don't get it. And he said, you know, pregnancy is nine months. You know, there is still a lot to learn. There's there's a lot that you can improve on, but you keep plugging away at it. You you don't give up. You 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 get yourself somewhat disciplined and say, I'm going to make this part of my life. So. It is just showing up and doing it. The first time you feel excited to do it. So you get going. Okay, let's try this. And then you realize the next day that you overdid and then you got muscle aches and muscle cramping. And so that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not great. So now you, you feel like out of commission for the next two or three days because of so much pain. And then you go back at it. And then you have pain again. And then you get really exhausted. The first time everything went well. The second time you're totally exhausted. You go, how is that possible? I did so well the first time. So physical exercise, physical movement, doing something. If you stay with it, when you stay with it, you will notice improvements on many levels. Your skin tone, the way you feel, your heart rate, your you know the strength, your muscles develop in areas you didn't even know you had muscles. So these are important things that I would love to talk with you about, and we'll get to it today, uh, willing. <laughs> so I want to let you know that part of today, I call it an open lines. I have several topics that I think will fill the time, but if there is something that you would like to ask me or join me and communicate something about uh, you've heard in the news, about health-related topics or something you have been fighting with, feel free to let me take a stab at it. I may have heard about it. I may not. I may have some suggestions. I may not. Uh, you know, just uh, just let us maybe work on this together and see if there is a hint that I can give you that can motivate you to just be, uh, to, to, to feel better, to feel a little bit better. So... There is an interesting article in the Wellbeing Journal, something I've been a member of for many, many years now, the Wellbeing Journal, and this is uh, the July-August 2019 edition. And there is, a, there is a lot of information about it that I want to share with you, but I thought, first of all, I want to explain to you a little bit more about the eyes. Two of the most complex organs of the body, the eyes provide us with instantaneous visual feedback of the world around us. We have all experienced eye trouble at one time or another. Eyes that are tired, bloodshot, dry, irritated, itchy, sensitive to light or watery, to name just a few. While some eye disorders, nearsightedness or cataracts, for example, are localized problems, so nearsightedness or cataracts are localized problems, eye disturbances can be a symptom of diseases elsewhere in the body. Watery eyes, for example, can be a symptom of the common cold. Protruding or bulging eyes and reading difficulties may indicate a thyroid problem. Dark circles under the eyes and eyes that are red, swollen, and or watery may indicate allergies. Yellowing of the eye from jaundice can be a sign of hepatitis, gallbladder disease, or gallstone blockage. Droopy eyes are often an early sign of myasthenia gravis, which is a disorder in which the eye muscles weaken. 
A drastic difference in the size of the pupils can indicate a tumor somewhere in the body, whereas high blood pressure and diabetes may manifest themselves in periodic blurring of vision. So, that's really interesting. And you know what is also interesting that we get into? There are people who do something called reflexology. And they have actually discovered that they can look into the eyes and they can actually identify on the eye, on the iris, in the pupil, on the white, in the white of the eye, other organs of the body. They can look in your eye and say that it looks like you have a problem with your small intestine or you have a problem with your liver or it looks like your skin is having some issues. It comes out through the eye. At the same time, the eye is represented in pressure points on the feet and on the fingers, on the hand. So if you have certain issues and if you were interested, you could actually find these points and massage them and actually start an activation process through these pressure points, which is like acupressure. It's like acupuncture. It starts to activate energy, in this case specifically for the eyes. So that, to me, is very interesting when you think about that, that there is something else that we can do without, besides taking medicinal drops. Now, the eyeball itself is a sphere. It's round, right? Sometimes it's, it's kind of oval, depending on the individual. It looks more like a football. But the eyeball is a sphere about an inch in diameter that is covered by a tough outer layer. The outer layer is called the sclera, S-C-L-E-R-A, S-C-L-E-R-A. It's also called, also called the white of the eye. Underneath the sclera, in the middle layer of the eye, is the choroid, C-H-O-R, C-H-O-R-O-I-D, the choroid, which contains the blood vessels that serve the eye. So when you think about it, when the back of the eye and all the way around, so the, the ball is protected by the sclera, and then right inside the sclera are the blood vessels. And it is interesting. We have, look at, think about our skin. Our skin, we see the skin, but right underneath the skin are the blood vessels. So the skin protects us from many different things, but when you cut through the skin, you're going to hit the blood vessels. And similar things you find in the eye. So um, the front of the eye is covered by a transparent membrane called the cornea. Behind the cornea is a fluid-filled chamber called the anterior chamber. And behind that, in the center of the sclera, in the center of the sclera, on the front of the eyeball is the highly pigmented iris. And in the center of the iris is the pupil. So that's quite a bit. We have the sclera on the outside, the tough outer layer. The, 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 the eyeball is a sphere about an inch in diameter. The outer layer is the sclera, the white of the eye. Then the choroid, which contains the blood vessels. The cornea is the transparent membrane in front of the eye. And then behind that is a fluid-filled chamber called the anterior chamber. Behind that, in the center of the sclera on the front, we have the iris and the pupil. Now, behind the iris is the transparent lens. Inside, at the back of the eye, is the retina, which is a delicate light-sensitive membrane 
that is connected to the brain by the optic nerve. So in the back, you have a layer that if you look really close, the, the surface has rods and cones, rods and cones. So different shapes of triangles and, and uh, cylinder-type uh, um, structures, very small together. But when you look through the, li- the lens, the, 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 whatever you absorb is reflected to the back of the retina. And so the rods and cones are able to give to 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 identify colors to identify so they they let me say they're not identifying it yet it is the brain that identifies it but the retina is looking at uh, absorbing the light and absorbing the shapes and then transferring that with the macula the macula is right in front of the retina and it is the thing the the the, the part of the eye that gives us clarity right through the middle so people have macular degeneration, they usually are dealing with in a, a spot in the middle of the eye, right in the front of their vision. So they cannot see clear. It's almost they see clear around that spot, but they cannot see straight at the spot, through the spot, because it's black. It's like a blood clot that has come in front of it. And there is the wet macular degeneration and there is the dry macular degeneration. The wet can be very acute. You wake up in the morning and you're blind. And the, the dry macular degeneration could be a gradual process. There are things that can be done for it. I know it is a, it is a, it is a disorder that many people, as they get older, fear, fear for. It is an age-related macular degeneration. It's AMD, age-related macular degeneration. It is a disease that is devastating for people. And um, I really don't wish this on anybody. I know people have had it, but I don't wish it on anybody because once you lose your eyes, it's very, very difficult to maneuver through the world. And when you only see something on the edges, it is very difficult to, uh, to recognize your spouse. It's very difficult to recognize your children or grandchildren because you see shapes, but you don't see the white of their eye. That's gone. That part is gone. You just see, you just see movement and shapes. The eye also contains two very important fluids. There is the ciliary body, whose muscles are responsible for focusing the lens of the eye, and also produces a water-like substance called the aqueous humor. Humor is spelled H-U-M-U-R, H-U-M-O-R, aqueous humor which fills the space between the cornea and the lens so in the front in so between the cornea and your lens there is a watery fluid that is called aqueous like aqua um in the back of the of the 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 lens uh, the behind the lens in that larger area between the retina and that whole space there is more a gelatinous fluid that is also there that's called the vitreous Humor, a jelly-like substance that fills the back of the eyeball, the space between the lens and the retina. And then on the outside of the eyeball are six muscles that move the eyes. Under the upper eyelids are the certain glands that secrete the tears, etc., etc. So it's a very interesting thing to know about the eye, how it functions. And I would recommend that if you have internet, that you sometimes look at a chart, an anatomical chart of the eye. And start looking for these words and get a visualization because 
part of intuitive healing, the which we get to, is the um, is the fact that if we can visualize it, we can send our attention to it, and we can actually start a healing process. It's very very powerful to know. If you know what you're talking about, if you can actually visualize your heart and not just the way you put it on a Valentine's card, but actually the heart organ or the lung tissue or your kidneys or your gallbladder, if you understand it, if you know what your eyes look like and actually the cut through the anatomy that you understand what is the vitreous, what is the the uh, the, the sclera, what is the... Uh, what is the retina, macula, where is it located? All of a sudden, you become more aware of how your body, especially through your eyes, is functioning. And by visualizing that and focusing on that, at times, you can actually send healing to those areas. It's very powerful. We have a caller. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What's your name? How can we help you, please? Yes, Jacobus. I uh, just wanted to congratulate you on uh, 19 years on the air. Oh, thank you. Uh, your program uh, provides a wonderful service to the community and all the listeners worldwide, and want to encourage you to continue with that. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a very timely comment. I appreciate that because I've been I've been wondering what I should do from here on out. But uh, I really appreciate that uh, that you give me that compliment and uh, and the trust to continue. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. Thank, thanks for listening. Bye bye. All right, five two two eight two five five is that number. I uh, yeah, it sets up uh, a discussion in motion about um, you know nineteen years is a long time in my life, and um, you know what is what is it um, is it something I should continue or should I take different steps, do something else? Um, I'm not completely out of that yet. And if you have any thoughts, they're very welcome. Uh, maybe that's easier to text me on that one, <laughs> 599-2519. Now, what we think of as a very simple act of seeing is actually a complex multi-step process that goes on continuously and at breathtaking speed. Light enters the eye through the pupil which changes size depending on the amount of light entering it. When there is very little light, the pupil opens up, dilates. In bright light, the pupil constricts, becomes smaller. As light enters the eyes, it is focused by the lens, which adjusts its shape by means of the action of the muscle and ligaments of the ciliary body. So the lens can get thicker or thinner depending on how the light comes in. Uh, it says over here, the lens becomes fatter or flatter, depending upon the distance to the object being focused on. The lens projects light onto the retina, all the way in the back of the eye, where special pigment absorbs the light and then forms a corresponding image. So what we see in front of us has to create shape in the back of the eye. Finally, this image is then transmitted by means of the optic nerve, which comes, which runs through middle of the eyeball, and then comes out at the bottom, and then it goes straight to the brain, um, which interprets the image. So the, the brain said, okay, that's, it is a person. It's a, it's a button. It's a, the telephone light. It goes on. Anything that interferes with any link in this chain of events can result in impaired vision. So I want to say that again. 
anything that interferes with any link in this chain of events can result in impaired in impaired vision. Many cases of eye damage and vision loss are linked to underlying diseases of one type or another. We're going to get to that, the underlying diseases. Good morning, caller. Thank you for joining today's program. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Hi, this is Glennis. Hey, Glennis. Hi. I was wondering if you could be specific with astigmatism. Yeah, you bet. I'd be very happy to uh, to talk about that. It's uh, astigmatism really has to do with the shape of the eye, and so when when the eye is um, when when the eyes get a little flat, so to say, and it has to do part of it with the muscle. So the muscle uh, the muscle starts working on. Um, so we have muscles that surround the ball, and the way these muscles contract, they squeeze the ball, thereby affecting. The, the lens, the, the retina, the way the light comes in, and um, therefore sharpness. So that there should be, in a perfect sense, there should be an ideal distance between the retina and macula in the back of the eye and the lens in the front of the eye. And if you imagine a ball, a balloon, getting squeezed, you see that the distance between the two becomes wider. And when that happens, you actually start having issues with the um, you start having issues with the uh, because the distance with the sharpness of the objects that you see, and then we start having the, uh, the because of the shape difference in the eye, we start having vision problems. And um, I what I can do is, uh, Glennis, I can look up a little bit more about this and give you even more uh, specific recommendations for that uh, are you dealing with astigmatism my daughter is okay and what is she what is she doing at this point to uh, to help to help with that uh nothing that i know of <laughs> okay okay well i i know uh, that sometimes the shape of the eye can be such can become such that it even becomes very difficult to do surgery on it. I um, I was told that the way my eye is shaped, that it would be difficult for me to do a laser surgery uh, to correct my vision because the stigmatism in the eye is such that it makes it very complex and it may not last very well. Uh, many, many, many years ago, I used to have a doctor on, uh, Dr. Deborah Banker, and uh, she passed away since. But she was always talking about the importance of nutrients and exercises um, to protect the health of the eye and also deal with that and not cut in the eye at all. So let me do a little reading on it and get back with you, bring it up in the next hour, okay? Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you for the call. All the best to you. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all of you tuning in today. Hour number one is already done. I've barely started my Bulletproof coffee, so we're going to take a sip of that during the break. And I just enjoy talking to you. I hope you can stay with me all the way till 11 o'clock. It is open lines on this 19th anniversary of the radio program. I hope you stay with us all the way. We'll be right back. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. You're on the air. What's your name? How can we help you? Good morning, Jacobus. It's Linda Oyama. Hey, Linda. <laughs> I 
And I want to thank you for the freedom on this uh, 4th of July weekend that you are bringing to the people. Oh. Because you are teaching about the natural alternatives, and we have a choice. It does set the people free uh, to make their own decisions and to do some wonderful things for themselves without the knowledge that you are bringing to the people, Jacobus. We would be in a terrible, sad place. Hmm. And I'm speaking a lot for myself because hmm. of what has happened in my life yeah. and learning about the natural, wonderful alternatives that we do have yeah. has been such a tremendous blessing in my life that I've been able to pass it on to others. But it's it's the information that you give out with such a beautiful heart uh, to bless the people, and I want to thank you for that. Mm, and I do you, have Linda. two suggestions. Yeah. You mentioned exercise earlier. Yeah, I'm listening to your program. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just call. Huh? And uh, for the elderly, which yeah. I'm getting in that area, uh, we really have enjoyed getting this item. It's called a cellar sizer, and it comes mm-hmm. with a handle. Uh, it's like a rebounder. It's a mini trampoline. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This one, of course, is uh, what you would call a professional model. Uh, but it's so wonderful because as we age, we lose our balance. Yeah. And with the cellar sizer, it has that wonderful handle uh-huh. that you can hang on and you bounce gently. I, I'm losing my, well, somewhat anyway, not entirely, uh, my knees and my my hips are wearing out. I've done a lot of walking in Montana. Yes, yes, true. <laughs> and so the cellar sizer is a gentle way of keeping the motion for the elderly and a safe way. Yes. And uh, also then for the eyes that you talked about, uh, the carrot juice is so wonderful for the health of the eyes. Yes. Uh, I myself had cataract surgery, and I have been dealing with those big black spots. Yeah, oh, and okay. until I started doing the carrot juice, um, you know, it was kind of scary. I kind of thought, oh, boy, now what's happened? I've done something to my eyes that I, I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the carrot juice has been a tremendous blessing and a great recovery for my eyes. And, of course, you can add celery and onion and garlic and even apple to that, you know. Yes, you can. It doesn't have to be just plain carrot, but the carrot is so wonderful for the eyes. You know, that's a great point, and I I would tell people, in addition to that, Linda, it's best to drink it fresh uh, within within a half hour after you squeeze it because Uh you are still losing some of the enzymes. So you can buy it sometimes in the store, well, that's a nice flavor, but it is not the same as actually drinking fresh carrot <laughs> juice. Yeah, and that is the truth of it, uh, you know. And 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 there again, see, you're expressing to the people the truth, which is what sets us free. <laughs> and I just can't thank you enough for that. So you be blessed on this Fourth of July weekend. Have thank a you, great Linda. day. Thank yeah, thank you. you. Appreciate the call. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's very sweet. Very sweet. Thank you. 
Yeah, carry juice. Uh, the only thing, like like Linda is saying, add maybe some celery or parsley or beets, a little bit of apple to it. Just make it uh, tasty for yourself. But carry juice, yes, is very good. Uh, a lot of people also who have been fighting cancers enjoy drinking fresh, freshly squeezed juices. Now, keep in mind that you may need 10 carrots or 8 carrots to fill a glass of carrot juice which is easier to drink than when you would eat when you would eat 8 or 10 carrots. So some people say well eat them because then you get the fibers you still get the carotenoids. Uh, keep in mind also that carrots have a higher glycemic index. So if you enjoy the carrot juice, make sure that at other times during the day you're not going to indulge in too many sweets because that could affect your pH balance and uh, as Bert Golding has explained to us in the, in on the show over the years it is very important that we try to get our pH, our saliva pH between 7.1 and 7.4 so that uh, we can uh, off, uh, offset possible uh, carcinogens, uh, offset certain disorders in the body, diseases in the body. Uh, it all makes sense. So yes, carrot juice is a great way to go. And thank you so much, Linda, for your message. I uh, I've you and I have known each other for such a long time. You were on the show, I think, back in 2000 or 2001, and uh, that was a great connection already. I know of people who have come to you throughout the years, and you have helped them. And um, you know, so you have also given your service in helping people, and that is what is uh, great. The community. Uh, the important thing is that we understand that doctors make mistakes, lay people make mistakes. I'm not a doctor. And I cannot diagnose, treat, or cure. And I don't say this as part of the radio show, which I have to say, and I forgot to say at the beginning of the show, that we're not here to diagnose, treat, or cure. But it is in sometimes people, when they talk to me, they are telling me the story. They're telling me what's going on. It, it It's, um, um, I feel very humbled when I feel a certain inspiration, when I pick up something in people's stories that they may not have heard themselves say, I may hear them say something in a certain tone, in a certain quiver, in a certain way where I realize this is actually a bottleneck in the conversation a bottleneck in their life, something happened. And I usually try to bring that back to their to the focus to see if they can elaborate on it. And sometimes you find out that the that certain event or a series of events that are all similar, they all go as a chain, a chain reaction, have been a possible trigger to the ailment they are dealing with today and they may have been dealing with for six years or seven years or 10 years that something happened right before that that were they weren't able to process so i hope you understand how i'm explaining this it is just that when when we are dealing with ailments or shortcomings in our health there is usually a cause for that the toughest thing for us is to understand what the cause is, this goes for anybody. There is nobody, in my opinion, that is exempt to this. 
to realize what may be the cause and in order to rectify that, give up on certain habits. We're all creatures of habits. And that means that in order to change, we cannot keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. And I tell people the same thing with the dietary supplements. I do not encourage people to buy dietary supplements, even though I sell them in the store. You know, you can come in and buy them anytime, but don't buy dietary supplements to fix your problem. You can accelerate the healing of the issue, but the issue itself usually takes more effort. I talked to somebody the other day who came in for a product for anxiety, deep anxiety and was taking medication. In my opinion, nobody has anxiety without a specific cause. Something has triggered it. I don't care if it happened when you were an infant. Something triggered it. And it's been a memory with you all this time. So when you really want to attack anxiety, it is good to work with a professional who can help you with anxieties, and I would say in this case, probably a counselor, who can hear you say things in a way that help to uncover the possible cause of this debilitating anxiety, debilitating, to face it and to use certain therapies such as eye movement, desensitization and refocusing, EMDR, or emotional freedom technique, EFT, or diet, or and or supplementation to start the healing process and to overcome it, to, to clear the blockage. You keep hitting emotionally, like we talked earlier about in a show, about Bessel van der Kolk and the body keeps the score. You keep hitting the same obstacle you just don't seem to be able to get over it. So emotionally, we are frustrated with something in our life, in the past of our life, five years ago, 50 years ago, that somehow emotionally we're constantly drawn back to. Every time something comes up, we're right, we're right away pulled back to that emotion. Simple thing not simple, painful, people with PTSD, for example, the soldiers, 4th of July, for most of them, even though they understand the value of the 4th of July, they have a hard time with the fireworks and the celebrations, and they're, they're very alert and awake and scared um, when they are being exp uh, exposed to explosions or helicopters or... Uh, uh, things that remind them of that very painful period. So the fact that somebody has PTSD is because emotionally they're stuck at the time when they were contributing or participating in an event that left such a deep scar on them that even though the world keeps spinning and you got to go with it, you have no time to process and grieve. Once you're able to do that, to cry about that emotion, to let it out and move on, that is when the healing will really start. You can, you can eat healthy, you can take dietary supplements, 
You can do exercises, but if you don't deal with that emotional scar that constantly is opened up every time you scratch it, you will not find a full fulfillment of your life's experiences. It's very important to realize that, that sometimes we are the result of something that happened a long time ago. i be honest with you, why my eyes are bad, I don't know. I don't I, I cannot trace anything back. I do know there is something genetic. My mom and one of my sisters never had glasses. Actually, no, one of them now has glasses. Um, the other two have bad bad eyes. Uh, both two of my sisters have had retinal detachments. They've had surgeries for that. pretty pretty intense stuff. Um, luckily, I haven't had that, but my vision isn't great. And I need to wear contact lenses and the warning you about contact lenses too. Luckily, I have been able to not have too many problems with that. But um, yeah, that is a, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Now, uh, before we continue, um, the question from Glennis was about astigmatism. And astigmatism is, uh, let me tell you what it says over here on, uh, what is this? Who is this? Uh, oh, the uh, ophthalmology the Ophthalmology Association, and they say it is an astigmatism, starts with an A, is an imperfection in the curvature of your eye's cornea or lens. Normally, the cornea and the lens are smooth and curved equally in all directions. This helps to focus light rays sharply into the retina at the back of your eye. If your cornea or lens isn't smooth, and evenly curved, light rays are are not refracted, refracted, which is bent properly. Doctors call this a refractive error. When your cornea has an irregular shape, which in my case is the case, you have corneal astigmatism. When the shape of your lens is distorted, so <clears throat> one optometrist told me that the shape of my, I think he said the cornea, was like a four, four, four shape. It had four sides to it. So it should be round. Mine had four sides to it. And the sides were not equal either. So he said, I don't even know how you can read. <laughs> it's interesting when I do these tests. If you ever been to a doctor and uh, <clears throat> they, they do this test where they, they show you these lines that go, they, they keep moving the lenses. So you see the two vertical lines line up with each other or two horizontal lines they move them so you have to say when they look equal or even to you uh he always had to smile he said it's unbelievable when when i do it with you by the time i say it is even he said they're so distorted now he said it makes absolutely no sense that in your case it is even and um so i guess i've never been really an even keel kind of guy but anyway uh, interesting, that is the shape of my eye. And maybe that explains why I wear contact lenses and my eye, I'm pretty blind without them. So in any case, maybe uh, maybe coffee doesn't do good for it, but I do enjoy another sip. Hold on. Maybe it's the butter and the, the, the MCT oil I put in it. Anyway, when your cornea has an irregular shape, you have corneal 
astigmatism. When the shape of your lens is distorted, you have lenticular astigmatism. In either case, your vision for both near and far objects is blurry or distorted. It's almost like looking into a funhouse mirror in which you can appear too tall, too short, too wide, or too thin. Then um, adults with significant astigmatism may realize their vision is not as good as it should be. Children with astigmatism symptoms may not be aware they have this condition. They are unlikely to complain about blurred or distorted vision, which is totally true. So it is good that when you have little children, you keep an eye on their eyes and what they can identify. Sometimes there's an airplane flying in the air and you you, you see them look and they, they can't see it. You point it, but they can't see it. It's maybe a good idea to at some point take them to an eye doctor. So the astigmatism is caused by an irregular curvature of the eyes, cornea or lens. If your cornea or lens isn't evenly curved, light rays are not refracted properly. Uh, so you can get astigmatism, blurred vision. So blurry vision or areas of distorted vision. You can have eye strain. You can get headaches. I don't really have eye strain or headaches. Uh, squinting to try to see clearly. Or you have eye discomfort. Uh uh, I don't know if I squint to see clearly. Mm, I usually squint when I'm thinking. No, I don't know. Uh, so that is it. I, I cannot tell you at this point, uh, Glennis, what kind of treatment would be ideal. I can tell you that as far as medical doctors is concerned, they say you can correct mild to moderate astigmatism with eyeglasses or contact lenses. Uh, glasses or contacts correct astigmatism by compensating for uneven curves in your cornea and lens. Rigid contacts or hard contact lenses used to be the only contact lens for astigmatism. This is no longer true. I have soft lenses. Soft lenses called TORIC, T-O-R-I-C, T-O-R-I-C, contact lenses can correct astigmatism. These lenses may be appropriate for some people. If you have severe astigmatism, rigid contacts or glasses may be a better option. So that is it. At this point, what to do for that specifically, I couldn't tell you, Glennis, but I know that we can, uh, there is definitely something that can be done. Uh, part of it would be the correct nutrients for the eye. Maybe the correct nutrients for the eye, maybe, maybe, maybe doing certain exercises uh, to strengthen the muscles around the eye to help take some of that pressure off certain areas uh, would be would be very good and we can get into that as the show develops so folks um, we were talking over here about the eyes can actually reflect on some of the organs so we're coming up to a break but let me see if I can get a few things in Diabetes often leads to hemorrhages in the retina and the vitreous humor. The vitreous humor was the fluid that is the gelatinous fluid towards the middle and back of the eye. The aqueous fluid is the one at the front of the eye. So diabetes often leads to hemorrhages in the retina and the vitreous humor, eventually producing blindness. Uh, early cataracts also may be related to diabetes. High blood pressure produces a gradual thickening of the blood vessels inside the eyes that can result in visual impairment and even blindness. Other factors linked to declining eyesight include too much sun exposure, poor nutrition, exposure to tobacco smoke or other pollutants, and dehydration. So this is an interesting concept we got to keep in mind. Um, 
But anyway, we're going to continue with that after the break. Stay tuned. I appreciate you tuning in. I'll be right back. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What is your name? How can we help you, please? Hey. We're not being quiet. Did you guys say happy anniversary to Opa? Happy. <laughs> We're calling to say happy anniversary. These are your grandkids. They want to say hi. Thank you so much, Christopher. Appreciate that. Happy birthday. Yeah, that counts. Thank you, Arian. Thank you, London. Happy anniversary. Appreciate it. <laughs> Happy birthday to Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll let you get back to it. <laughs> Thank you so much. See you later. Bye. Bye. That's funny. Uh, that's sweet. Thank you so much for the call. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Anyway, special day for me to celebrate this. I appreciate you tuning in today. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're still talking about eye health, and I, I want to go through this because eye nutrients are very important, but I thought in the conversations to talk about eyes and what they what they do for us, what they mean to us, and how they are also a reflection of the health inside our body, that is something we got to keep in mind. So I, I would recommend that in all cases that there are certain nutrients that are important to to take on a regular basis. And I'm going to go into this. Uh, and they, they include carotenoids. Carotenoids are very important. Um, also, zinc. Uh, there are certain amino acids. Vitamin C, very important for the eye. Um, we have uh, we have lycopene, but they, they become part of the, uh, the the carotenoids. So there are some really important nutrients that, if your eyes are suffering, that you can take those. So carotenoids are powerful plant-based antioxidants. They're fat-soluble pigments that give fruits and vegetables their color, mainly yellow, orange, or red. Animals and humans cannot create carotenoids directly. They need to get them from food. Carotenoids are best consumed with a fat in order for the body to absorb them better. That's important, and I say the same with other fat-soluble vitamins, E, K, A, and D, to just consume them with other fats to make them better absorbed. In humans, carotenoids maintain cell health throughout the body by neutralizing free radicals, single oxygen atoms that can damage cells by reacting with and destabilizing healthy cells. So free radicals, so they help to neutralize free radicals. Carotenoids have strong cancer-fighting properties. They are anti-inflammatory. They boost the immune system and support healthy circulation. Some carotenoids are known as vitamin A precursors that can be converted to vitamin A. This is really interesting. There are more than 700 types of carotenoids, more than 700 types. But we are right here in this article, they're focusing on alpha-carotene, beta-carotene, beta-cryptoxanthin, and cryptoxanthin is C-R-Y-P-T-O, crypto, C-R-Y-P-T-O, and then X-A-N-T-H-I-N, beta-cryptoxanthin. Also, so alpha-carotene, beta-carotene, beta-cryptoxanthin, lutein, 
zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin, astaxanthin, bilberry, and lycopene, which are all found in the Western diets. Now, also interesting, there's a bunch of stuff I didn't know, so it was good for me to do this reading. There are two types. The, the carotenoids fall in two groups. The xanthophils, a tough, tough word, xanthophils is spelled X-A-N-T-H-O-P-H-Y-L-L-S. X-A-N-T-H-O-P-H-Y-L-L-S. Xanthophils that contain oxygen in their chemical makeup. And there are the carotenes that do not contain oxygen. Uh, Photosynthesis is the process through which plants convert light to energy. The xanthophils, which are yellow in color, absorb blue, violet, and ultraviolet light. The carotenes, which are orange, also absorb blue, violet, and ultraviolet light. The capacity of these carotenoids to absorb blue and violet light becomes an essential part of the defense mechanism of the eye. These two groups of carotenoids are found throughout the body. That's interesting. They're found throughout the body, but they're concentrated in the macula of the eye and to some extent in the eye lens, and they are essential for general growth and vision in dim light. Some carotenoids called provitamins in the liver turn into retinol, which is the most common form of vitamin A. These are alpha-carotene, beta-carotene, and then beta-cryptoxanthin. So yellow is the, the, uh, the xanthophils, the ones that carry the oxygen, the carotenoids that carry oxygen. The carotenes do not carry oxygen, and those are orange in color from the xanthophils we have seen things like so the important role of a xanthophil is that they absorb blue violet and ultraviolet light these wavelength of light as the light comes in they penetrate all the way to the back of the retina they are short wavelength short wavelength the shorter a wavelength the greater the energy it possesses. And so these blue to ultraviolet wavelength have the potential of damaging the retina, thereby resulting in oxidative stress to the retina and its center, the macula. So again, light is energy. Light is energy. Colors are a specific energy within that spectrum. So there is a certain frequency to light. Blue has a different frequency than red, than violet, than ultraviolet, than yellow, than orange. All the colors are a certain frequency of light. So what it says over here, the important role of xanthophils, the the oxygen-carrying carotenoids, is that they absorb blue, violet, and ultraviolet light. The wavelength of light penetrates all the way to the back of the retina. They are short wavelength. The shorter a wavelength, the greater the energy it is it possesses. And so these blue to ultraviolet wavelength 
have the potential of damaging the retina, resulting in oxidative stress to the retina and its center of the macula. There are only two xanthophils, lutein and zeaxanthin, that accumulate in the retina. And uh, there is also meso, meso zeaxanthin is found in the macula for supporting central detailed vision. But the t- only two xanthophils, lutein and zeaxanthin, accumulate in the retina. So the lutein accumulates in the retina, including the macula, mostly so again, the retina is in the back of the eye. It is a surface, a, a kind of a ball curve surface. The inside of it contains rods and cones shaped um, surface. The sur- surface looks like rods and cones that the light comes into. It is translated, converted, re- reprocessed in the back of the eye, then sent through your brain stem to the brain, and the brain says, oh, it is own Josie, or it's Uncle Bill, or it's, it's, a, it's a car, it's a bicycle, it's the sun. Uh, the, the brain will then give it a name. So it's therefore interesting to realize how young children see so many things, but they have no word for it yet. So they absorb and absorb and absorb, and as they learn, they start giving it words. The more words we learn, the more we understand about details, the better our vocabulary will become. We need to understand the word we speak. We can only do it if the object that we see, as small as it is, has a name, and we can therefore use it in a sentence, right? That's kind of how it goes. So lutein accumulates in the retina, including the macula which is responsible for detailed vision. The macula is yellow because of the yellow color of lutein and zeaxanthin. They're they're xanthophils and they're yellow. It is able, the yellow color is able to absorb oxidizing blue, violet, and ultraviolet light. The retina is constantly exposed to oxygen and light, resulting in oxidative stress and phototoxic Stress. Lutein does not have a direct role in the process of sight. Rather, its powerful antioxidant ability protects the macula by absorbing damaging blue, violet, and ultraviolet light that causes stress and free radical activity. So, when you go through this and you look at these xanthophils, X A N T H O P H Y L L S, xanthophils, you find out it contains lutein, it has the zeaxanthin, the mesozeaxanthin. So the mesozeaxanthin is a carotenoid in the lutein family. It's found in the center of the macula where we get our most detailed vision. It is the most powerful of the three antioxidants in the macula, but it is most effective in combination with the others, the lutein and zeaxanthin. So if you have eye problems... It is very important to start supplementing your diet with lutein and zeaxanthin. Yes, there are sources, food sources for it. For example, lutein is found a lot in um, kale and then spinach. Other good sources include turnip, greens, summer squash, Brussels sprouts, orange foods such as corn, pumpkin, paprika, yellow fleshed fruits, also in pecans and avocado. 
Do you get enough of that in your diet? And or is the fact that the food looks like the food doesn't have the nutrients in it because of some of the overproducing of the soil and depleting of the soil throughout the last several decades with chemicals that have simply depleted, have accelerated yield, but have depleted the body from, have depleted the body of the food from specific nutrients. So it is important to make sure you get the nutrients. And if you eat lots of this food and vision doesn't improve, I would recommend you start getting something like a lutein or a zeaxanthin. Now, so the, the that's lutein. Now, mesozeaxanthin is found in microalgae and in sea creatures that consume the algae, such as trout, salmon, shellfish, and krill. It is found in the skin of trout, sardines, and salmon. Interesting, isn't it? Zeaxanthin is concentrated in the macula where it fights oxidative stress. Like lutein, it is a yellow pigment pigment that absorbs blue light. So now the blue light is absorbed, so it cannot radiate all the way to the to the retina and thereby causing potential damage to the surface area. Zeaxanthin improves central vision function in a number of ways. It works as an antioxidant, helps to recover from glare, it helps stem cell report, uh, stem cell support, macular degeneration. You can find the best source of zeaxanthin is in kale and then spinach. It is found in orange and red foods such as saffron, orange peppers, paprika and paprika peppers, goji berries, corn, oranges and tangerines. Also in vegetables such as collards, mustard greens, romaine lettuce, broccoli, kiwi fruit, peas and chard. They all contain a lot of zeaxanthin. Then there is one that is very important. It's making more and more news today. It's called astaxanthin. Astaxanthin. 2011 and 2015 reviews of previous and ongoing research point to the wide range of benefits of this potent antioxidant. So, including excellent tolerability and safety factors. Astaxanthin, these are, these are some of the benefits that it provides us with. Astaxanthin is spelled A-S-T-A-A-S-T-A-X-A-N-T-H-I-N. Astaxanthin. Some of the benefits. It lowers levels of free radicals in people who are smokers or are overweight. It blocks oxidative damage to our DNA. Astaxanthin acts as an anti-inflammatory agent. It supports tuberculin immunity, lowers triglycerides, so it is good for blood sugar levels. It increases blood flow and good HDL cholesterol. Astaxanthin supports brain functioning with improved cognition and nerve stem cell growth. It also improves visual acuity, reproductive health, and more. Very powerful antioxidant. It's a fat-soluble carotenoid that is similar to beta-carotene, but, but this is interesting. It has a slight structural difference, slight structural difference that creates a radical biological difference. One unique quality 
is its ability to cross the blood-brain barrier, which means, and other carotenoids cannot do that, but astaxanthin can, which means it has the capacity to deliver antioxidants directly to the brain as well as to the eyes and the nervous system. This, therefore, explains its presence in the retina. And I remember one of my sisters who had retinal detachment twice, she always asked me to send her some astaxanthin in some dietary supplements as a protectant for the retina. There is uh, plenty to talk about astaxanthin. The sources include red yeast, Faria uh, horosedema, which is used in Asian cooking, also found in salmon, shrimp, trout, and other pink seafood that eat the red algae, Hematococcus. Now, I want to let you know that I am working on getting in a new astaxanthin, very powerful astaxanthin, that was brought to my attention by a customer and somebody who listens to the radio show uh, about this very powerful astaxanthin that is much stronger than what you get um, in most of the dietary supplements. And it comes in a uh, it comes in a capsule, but it also comes in a chocolate bar. And we're going to get those in. The chocolate bars, literally, it's, very, it's dark chocolate, and it has very high potency of astaxanthin in it that literally has shown in people who use it big improvements in some of the health conditions for which astaxanthin has been shown to be beneficial. Also for the brain. It also has helped people with uh, neurological disorders such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. There are people who are witness to the fact that since they've been taking this astaxanthin, their anecdotal information says that their cancer has gone away or in remission. Those are powerful statements. Of course, when nobody says you can cure it, the problem is that there is a lot of things that can cause cancer. But to hear anecdotal information, people say, the only thing I've done different is take this specific astaxanthin, which I do not have in the store, but I hope to have it within the week, and you can ask for it, um, then that they say that is the big difference that we've changed in our life. And so this is, uh, this is, what we, this is how it works for me. And it works. Keep that in mind. All right. We have um, beta-cryptoxanthin, which is another, the last one of the xanthophils, the oxygen-carrying carotenoids. And beta chrysoxanthin is another xanthophil carotenoid that is a precursor to vitamin A. Uh, wonderful product. It is found especially in red bell peppers and yellow squash, such as butternut. It is also found in fruits, such as papaya, mangoes, oranges, and in yellow foods, such as corn, bell peppers, and yellow dairy, like egg yolks and butter. So egg yolks are very important to eat. And um, anyway... So the carotenoids, we have a lot going on with that. I don't think we're going to be able to get all that done right now. But I hope you understand what I'm saying and that you uh, you learn something from this. When we come to the uh, the carotenoid carotenes, we are dealing with alpha-carotene, beta-carotene, lycopene. So those are all interesting to learn about. The lycopene is very powerful stuff. And uh, then we want to move on to something else. But I can also say, you know what? Two hours are done. We have an hour to hit some of the other topics and answer your questions. So let's do that. Do some more research on this. Look for the lycopene. Lycopene is phenomenal, phenomenal antioxidant. And you will find some great benefits of that for 
uh, age-related disorders and heart conditions as well. Anyway, going to take a break. End of the second hour. I appreciate all of you tuning in. Stay tuned because I will be back for another hour. Talk to you soon. Uh, today is the 19th. I celebrate the 19th anniversary of the show. It has actually made this the longest show running on this radio station. Um, yes. Oh, well, maybe Rush Limbaugh, but let's say local show. There is uh, no other show, I think, in this building. There are concepts of shows that have been around on the moose and the country station, but a talk radio show that has been going on for 19 years, I think that is a, that's a record. And um, <laughs> I was talking to somebody on the 4th of July, and I said, uh, I don't get paid for this. As a matter of fact, it, it, it costs me money. And he was totally surprised. He said, that's, I always thought that you would get paid for something like that, doing that every week for all these years. I said, no, 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 there's no contracts. There was no signing bonus. <laughs> uh, this is uh, just volunteer work, but I've learned so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit here. And what I have learned over all the years talking to experts who are just passionate to talk about it. I'm, I've been lucky to even talk to great people in California who are actually an hour earlier for them to be already on the radio with me at 7 o'clock in the morning, their time which is 8 o'clock, are here and then communicate with me for several hours. And some of them say, oh, we're up early, you know, it doesn't matter. So, but still, it is a three-hour gap in their, not gap, but it is a three-hour commitment in their Saturday. And so to have the people come on and join and then tell me they would love to be back because they have enjoyed the conversation, they have enjoyed the freedom to be able to say what they want to say and been given the time. There are people out there who have literally told me that anytime they go on national shows, and some of them, many of them are syndicated, they say the we only get 10, 15 minutes to really talk about what we do, and there is decades of research going into that, and then you try to answer that in 15 minutes, and 15 minutes, part of that is taken up by the host to advertise for something. So they get frustrated, and when they come on a show like this, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the radio station itself that allows me to do this and to do it differently than the shows that happen during the week. Two more topics I wanted to talk about was intuitive medicine and also the, the importance of movement. Now, intuitive medicine, if anybody wants to join and say, what they feel about intuitive medicine, or if they have experienced it. I think all of us have intuition. It is just, are you willing to listen to the intuition? The intuition is sometimes a split second. It's a split second whereby you literally get a message about something you need to see, be aware of, need to understand. If you don't act on that, then you your mind is taken over and your mind starts to rationalize the intuition and may say, not important, move on. 
when I was young, they would always say, when you have multiple choices or you have to answer a question, go with your first instinct. That is, in a way, your intuition. And lo and behold, I wasn't always listening. <laughs> so my answers weren't always great. <laughs> I could talk myself out, out of anything, but uh, my multiple choices was not a, I start to overthink it. I start to overthink multiple choice. Because to me, that was... There was clearly an answer. That's it. And then I start reading the other ones and I go, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then I picked the other one and then they said, no, that was wrong. I said, but what it says is what in the text. I said, yeah, I know, but this is the better answer. Okay, good. So I I had something, but I didn't have the right answer. So whatever it was, who knows? In any case, intuition is very important I talked to somebody yesterday who really had an intuition that she had cancer and didn't know why that thought came up, but had it checked and found out that she had a tumor developing. That's powerful stuff if people can do that, if people have that gift. Now, there are some who have had that gift for a long, long time, and um, you when you have that gift and you start working with it and start listening, and then from listening, you there are, some of them are at a very young age, three, four, five years old, they have these intuitive feelings and everything is ex- very natural to them, but they don't always know how to put it into words. So as you get older, you start learning, like I mentioned earlier, you start learning the words, you start reading what it is, you start listening And you start visualizing it, and you know what you see, but you don't know what it's called. So people with intuitive healing capabilities, they have to use anatomy in order to find out what is that what they see. So that when they talk to the client or a patient, they can actually describe it and give it a name. And don't just say, well, in your eye, in your heart, in your kidney, I see something. No, they can actually call it what it is. Now, once you have the answer, you can do something with that. You can actually you can actually say, okay, now I have a diagnosis. You can verify the diagnosis by maybe having an MRI or an x-ray done or have a doctor do a blood test and find out if the prognosis or the 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 diagnosis i would say is correct then you have a choice to make what kind of therapy are you going to use in order to overcome the ailment is this something that you're willing to tackle by changing your diet and lifestyle maybe take some dietary supplements give up certain habits or are you somebody who says I have such a hard time disciplining myself any other way. My work, my life, my marriage, my relationships, whatever, does not allow me to make any changes. I will have to go the conventional therapies. I will take the injections. I will do the surgery. I will take the medications in hope that something is going to change. Now, for those of you who are listening to this program, you realize that one can really not work without the other. In order to have long-term success, 
you're going to have to make changes in your diet and lifestyle. You have to make changes in the way you look at the world. You can learn how to visualize your problem on a chart. You can go to the internet, look at photos of that specific issue, look at a diagram, a drawing of a specific ailment or organ in your body. You can Cut that out, make a photograph of it, have it laminated, have it enlarged, but something that you on a regular basis look at that picture and visualize perfection. You have to visualize perfection because as we just talk about the eyes, the eyes need to be able to see it and send it to the brain. And the brain is your coach and the coach is telling your body this is what we're going to work on. This is the next topic. This is the this is the task at hand. We have to get it perfect. We have to get it right. And if you th- look at stories about people who have used this, it is astounding how much visualization through meditation or simply by visualizing perfection, how much healing has happened or how much accelerated healing has happened in conjunction with conventional therapies. Our body, our mind, our spirit, our emotions are astounding. They are phenomenal how they can work together as a team to actually create healing into the innermost detailed parts of ourselves, into the mitochondria into the DNA. So never underestimate the power of intuition. Listen to your body and mind. Listen to your body and the spirit. Let the spirit speak. That's what it's for. Spirit brings inspiration. The spirit is coming inside of us to give us that the spiritual knowledge of something that may go on within us. Some of you are too busy. Some of you think that's a bunch of hogwash, Jacobus. I'm too old for this. I'm 70 years old. I ain't going to change nothing anymore in my life, right? No, you can if you want to. It's your choice. It doesn't cost anything. If that's maybe worth it, <laughs> that's a, actually an oxymoron. It doesn't cost anything if that's worth anything. Um, anyway, This is something you got to keep in mind when it comes to healing. Healing can be extremely powerful. And there are gifted people amongst us who can do intuitive healing for you and help you with it. And they can see, they can explain, they can tell you what are some of the therapies that may work best for you. So they can actually say oxygen therapy is good for you. Um, More minerals is what your body needs. Uh, You need to detox, you have parasites, you have a tumor that is benign, so don't worry about it, it's not cancerous. They can look at all that and give you hints of, if you say, well, what if I take uh, B12 for this? They can actually imagine what the B12 would do for you, and they may say, yes, that works, but you probably need to do about 8,000 micrograms, or they may say, you need about... Uh, you need this much B vitamin or this many minerals or you're lacking, your body is craving selenium or something like that. It's a fascinating gift that people have and it is up to you 
to implement it or not. Another thing that you can implement is another topic that I had, the importance of movement. It is. It takes discipline to start, be, start exercising. For some people, it's a daily thing. For me, it has become a daily thing about, uh, well, not in the weekends. I can't on Saturday morning and Sunday. I don't want to. So five days a week, I exercise. And that means you have to get up and get going and do something with it. I'm lucky enough to go early in the morning. Um, there are some people who like to do it at lunchtime, which I think is usually pretty stressful because you got to run out, do the exercise, run back to work. Uh, unless you work for yourself from home, that's maybe possible. But there has to be a time for you to do it. Some people like to do it after work, which in my opinion is, again, uh, not always easy because what do you do afterwards? Do you eat? And But anyway, exercising is important, any kind of exercising. And it doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be something where you just go crazy. There are some of you, you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, maybe older than that, you are still moving, living on your own. You are moving well, but you're lacking the development of certain important muscles. Don't forget that the skeleton is just that. It is a skeleton, just a bunch of bones. If you grab a skeleton and hold it up and let it stand on its own, take your hands away, it'll collapse on the floor. The way that the skeleton has been kept erect is by the correct formation of muscles to hold it all together. When you use your muscles, it is important that you keep in mind that functioning shapes form. So the form of your body, the form that your body takes on is based on the functioning you use for your muscles. I learned this long time ago from Kyle Clicker, who was a guest on the show. And I remember Kyle being a, uh, 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 a skier. He was a telemark skier and a, a, a mountain climber. And he would take people up on the mountains and feed them and take them out there. But he was also a telemark skier, which is... I don't know much about skiing, but it is a certain style. Keep your feet together and beautiful skiing. Now, it takes a lot of upper legs, buttocks, lower back to hold that stance in that type of skiing. So I used to see him and he was would be running on a treadmill or something and he had a he had a big booty on him and big upper legs. And then I didn't see him for years. And I saw him, and he was like skinny as a rail. I said, are you okay? He said, oh, yeah, I feel great. I said, my God, your body has changed. And he says, well, I don't do that anymore that intense. I do it for pleasure, not for work. He said, but I started running. I'm running marathons or half marathons or 10Ks. So in order for his body to change shape, no, I <laughs> shouldn't say it that way. His body change, changed shape because of the the different work he was giving his body to do. So if that is the case, you start running, you use a complete different set of muscles, and in order to run, your body is burning so many calories, you start losing the weight and the certain muscles that were there to hold the frame up in certain positions. Now you're running, 
you're just moving those legs very quickly, so you don't want to have heavy muscles in that area. There is a difference between a sprinter who runs the 100 yards and a marathon runner. I mean, huge difference, size-wise. You know, many sprinters are pretty tall. They're big, big people, big shoulders. There's a lot of explosive energy coming out of the buttocks, out of the, out of the upper legs, the quads, the hamstrings. Everything is very strong. And you have a marathon runner who the, least, the last thing they want is carry extra weight. So by running, 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 they're burning so many calories, they're burning, the, the muscles are very specific for that exercise. So brings us back to exercising. Exercising is important to keep, help the body keep the shape and keep the strength to keep the skeletal go, skeleton going. I see a lot of times people who have lower back pain. Somebody who has exercising usually does not get lower back pain if they work on the muscles, the core muscles in the front, the buttock muscles in the back, of in the, in the rear, right? Um, working on the, on the back muscles, the lower back muscles, the exercise you can do for that, you just have to develop the whole plethora. But people may say, well, I don't want to do sit-ups because it hurts. Well, sure, I understand. There are other exercises you can do to simply develop that. So even when you're older, you can sit on a chair and you can lift your arms sideways. You can lift them forward up there. You can bend them at 90 degrees. You have your, you have your upper arm go horizontal and at the elbow it goes 90 degrees up and just bring those arms up and bring them up. You cannot tell me that you're not going to feel that. If you do 200 of those, I guarantee you, you're going to feel a little bit tired. And you may actually have a, 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 a muscle ache the next day. So you think, well, but I'm not using any weights. Well, that may be coming later, but start without the weights. You can sit down and do it. You can kick your leg up. You sit down and kip, kick your left, your right leg forward or both legs forward. Hold on to the chair, kick them forward on the right side, kick them forward on the left side, and uh, do that 10, 15 times. That's a good start. You can sit on your knees and put your hands down like you're going to do a push-up and slowly bring your upper body down while you're sitting on your knees and do a push-up that way. At some point, you may be able to put your feet on the ground, your toes and do the hand, do, on your hands and do a push-up that way. It is all gradually. Start with doing something. Start developing the muscles that hold up your skeleton because the more independence you have, the better you are to, uh, to deal with all this. Well, anyway, going to take a break. Going to be right back. Stay tuned, please. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the program. Your name, please. How can we help? You'll have to use your intuition. <laughs> You're uh, way ahead of the curve if people aren't using their intuition and their experience because you had Mona Lisa Schultz on since you're so organized, you could say how many years ago, nine years, two months ago or something. Oh, boy. I'm going to find look at that up, uh, Daniel. Yeah, she, she's like uh, Carolyn Mays. She considers herself a medical intuitive. She can look at somebody's body and say, hmm, there's some redness. There's something going on there, the bile area. There's something going on in the kneecap. And they would laugh at her. So she said, all right, let me prove that I'm not just 
some dumbbell off the street, so she got her MD, too. Yeah, she does, and, and a I, PhD. Well, yeah, yeah, and I just looked her up. She's 60 years old now. 60? Uh, so she uh. at it, and she's still doing it. So she says she's quite spiritual. I, I think intuitives would be uh, spiritual types, but maybe not all of them are, but she says, pepper your day with plenty of prayer, get out in the sun, do service. That's do service to others that really open up your chakras yeah. and have some chocolate. Whereas the medical intuitive that's really hot these days, the guy that wrote at least three books called Medical Medium, Anthony William, he, he says, nah, chocolate, I hardly recommend it. I have a lot of recipes. I have some, you'll notice, in one one recipe in all my recipes, but I, I don't think much of chocolate. Even the intuitives have some difference of opinion. Yes, they I, do. I, for one, know this guy called Daniel R. Peterson that hasn't used chocolate in 30-some years, so I'm on the uh, on-chocolate side. Hmm. Uh, so I, I Who knows how your life could be enriched by just having a nice little piece uh -huh. of chocolate, Daniel? Yeah, I hardly remember the taste, uh, I, but I did. I was a normal uh, American boy with M&M's M &M and all that kind of stuff, but yes. uh, I hardly remember uh, even getting into it. I was kind of suspicious of the whole world. They dropped me out of nowhere, and I said, I, I've never bought a TV, and uh, I didn't watch TV with my parents much at all, uh, so I, I just was kind of not into the... American dream. Yes, yes. Of food, frolic, and tying yourself into a house. I've never bought a house. Your possessions, your uh, ownership can take a lot of time out of your uh, working on your intuition. Yeah, it is true. It is true. It gets there's a lot of different effects that can have uh, on that. What, now, what did you say? When was Mona Lisa Schulz on? You remember your intuition? What was no. it? No, I just took a wild guess. Nine years, two months. Nine years, two months. I tell you what, it was almost on the nose, 10 years. It was July 5, 2009. Oh, well, you are organized. That proves uh, <laughs> uh, something about uh, you uh, compared to me. I, I never have that kind of information. <laughs> well, um, uh, uh, to me, that is the only way... Uh, I, let me say it is part of the game that I play with myself. It's the same when I do these commercials, the health pearls that play at the top of the hour. I number them. It gives me an idea of longevity. The one that you just heard at 10 o'clock is number 829. So it's 829 different weeks that I've done this now. And the show is 906. But then Mona Lisa Schulz was indeed, um, you know, I forgot, but, but I cannot really see what the number is. There's something missing here in the information. Um, let me see what it does. Uh, anyway, well, I'll find that out, but I can tell you that. It was, okay. the, it was July 5, 2009, so you were, you were very good. All right, well, let's do one more uh, personal question now that we're here. Uh, both Schultz and William are in contacting Angel. Is the famous Jacobus into contacting angels? Do you ever think of angels? Pray to angels in the morning to uh, arouse the angels to do uh, something positive. 
I do, Daniel. Uh, I I do believe in angels. Um, I have never seen them in front of me. They have never shown their face or their beings to me. But I was raised Catholic. For me, angels uh, at that time, Archangel Michael, obviously, Archangel Gabriel, Archangel Raphael, who was the one who talked to the Virgin Mary about being pregnant. Uh, Those are all... Uh, ingrained in me and over the years I've learned more about angels and uh, there there are many books are written beautiful paintings are being made by people who have seen angels so for me it is not about believing in angels I know they're there and I know there is uh, angels have they have a very special dispensation special special role to fulfill and they work also on different levels of our consciousness and even in our own physical being, there are certain parts of our body that are affected by angels different than other angels. So, uh, yes, I, I wouldn't say that I pray every morning to them, but I um, acknowledge their presence and at times I will address them as such. So, yes, I believe in angels. Uh, and you work with them. I do. Give the call. Well, uh, all right, I'm in good hands and listening to this <laughs> aspect of reality. Go uh, happily into the light, into the sun. I, Mona Lisa Schultz says as a son of our friend, for some reason, modern medicine has uh, taken a dim view of the sun. But what have we been dealing with since we uh, hit the planet? Yeah. That, that's one of the theories of uh, metaphysics, that the fall of man simply meant that we were totally spiritual and had not a physical body, but we fell into physicality, and so we've had to deal with the sun for millions of years. Uh, I don't think the archaeologists are giving the length of time proper due. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Well, Daniel, I want to thank you for 19 years of listening and 19 years of participation. I know at times I've scratched my head and wonder where you're going with your comments or your or your questions, but I do know that you're listening and I do know you're interested and I do know that you like to participate and I want to compliment you and thank you for the many, many, many times that you did your preparation for the show, that you did some reading, that you came with very pointed questions or comments. I know there are people who say, why is Daniel R. Peterson always calling in? And I know that, like I said, there's times when I've scratched my head and said, where are we going with this? But in general, you've always been interested and you've always participated. And I want to thank you for all the years of uh, kind of entertainment that you have brought to the program. So I wish you all the best. All right. And I re-thank you. Okay. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. you. Thank you. Bye. So I was talking just uh, before we had that last break. We have about uh, 15, no, 12 minutes left. I was talking about exercises. And too many times when you talk to people about exercising, they really think that you have to go to a gym, get a gym membership, or you have to buy certain equipment. And therefore, they already do not want to start it. They say, well, I don't have money for that. If you're a quadriplegic... And you can only move your eyes and your mouth, maybe. And you can maybe move your neck. 
you cannot even lift a piece of paper. In order to lift a piece of paper, you need muscles. And if you talk to anybody who's a quadriplegic and you ask them if they would want to be able to exercise again, they would always say yes. Because they realize that if they cannot move the body, how tremendously debilitating it is and how much they become dependent on other people to make it through the day. They cannot change their clothes. They cannot go to the bathroom by themselves. Wherever they want to go, they're dependent on somebody else. If you keep in mind that as we age and as we do not use our muscles accordingly, you'll notice that your gait is different. You start learning how to balance like Linda Oyama called earlier and said she uses this little bouncer, the small trampoline with handlebars in order to work the lymphatic system, but to jump up and down, it takes muscle to do that. To sit down and lift your leg up, you need muscles. So do that 15 times on the right, 15 times on the left. Do lift your arms both up in front of you and back down and up and down and sideways up and down and bring them horizontally, bring the upper arms horizontally with the floor while your forearms and hands are sticking up vertically and lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Maybe get a little bit of a weight at some point and use those weights. Start working on it. Believe me, a little rowing. I, I, I would highly recommend anybody, if you can, get a, phys- get a physical therapist or get a, a personal trainer to simply help you with some exercises, to simply help you with what are some of the things that you can work on. Exercising can be walking. It's one thing to walk. Walking can be hard especially if you start picking up a little bit of speed. Maybe the first day you can only walk a block and you do the whole week, you just walk a block. And then all of a sudden, you after a week, you find out you can walk the block and you can actually go a block and a court and then walk back that court. So now you have walked pretty much like a block and a half. You can extend the duration of, of your exercises at your own liking. But movement, simple movement, is important. Not everybody needs to be a bodybuilder, but movement, blood circulation. If you do not move, your blood is not circulating. When the blood isn't circulating, the cells do not get the nutrients they need. If your blood is not circulating, we are not carrying oxygen to the cells. These are things that over time simply start affecting us. Now, people say, well, I'm working in the garden. You don't do any other exercises. You work in the garden, which is wonderful. But you are in a certain position pulling, bending forward, leaning down, 
stepping up, sitting awkward on your you know, on your squat position. What do you think you're doing? You're using muscles to do that. If that is all you do, always using the same muscles, you'll be surprised how your body, like I said earlier, functioning creates shape, how your body starts taking on a certain shape. Keep in mind that the versatility of movement is giving us a versatility in our health and it gives us more options to do more different types of exercising. If you can find the joy, if you can find the joy to do some exercising, some movement, call it exercises if you want, call it movement. This, I'm really talking to the people who just do not exercise. I know plenty of you are members of a gym and you're going like, Jacobus, what are you talking about? I'm moving, I'm exercising, feeling great. The fact that our older generation is struggling with some of the health issues they're dealing with, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they have lost the momentum to do some exercises, to do movement. Getting in and out of the car is not an exercise. Walking through the aisles of a grocery store is not an exercise. It is necessity and you're moving, yes. But can you do something extra? Are you willing to do something extra? Are you willing to hold on to something and then do a squat? Squat down, come up. Squat down, come up. Do that 10 times. Do that the whole week, every day, 10 times. The next week you do 15 times down up down then when you come down you after that exercise lean on your knees and on your arms or hands on the floor and do a push-up try three try five do ten the whole week you do ten every day and then the next week you die to try 15 and i trust you of uh, trust me by the time you can do 40 or 50 of those on your knees and on your hands by doing it every day a little bit. Within that time, when you hit 40 or 50, trust me, you can stand on your hands with your, and on your toes and do a full push-up. That will start to develop your buttocks, your glutes, your core, your lower abdomen, your back, your, your quads are having to stay straight, you start feeling muscles that you've never felt before. But I guarantee you, you're going to feel better. The amount of exercises that are available today, there is a difference between walking and walking stairs. There are people who walk through the mall. They say three laps is a mile. Well, that's great. But are you able to find a place where you can actually walk stairs? Go to the parking garage downtown. It's got two staircases on each end. Walk it up. Come back down. Walk it up. Come back down. Maybe you can skip a step. Up. Maybe you'll learn how to skip a step on the way down. There are so many different exercises that you can grow in from that point on. Start moving. Moving accelerates circulation. 
circulation accelerates oxygen distribution, nutrient distribution to the cells. Meanwhile, you are building power around your skeleton. Do not think that you are too old. Joe Diaz called earlier. He will gladly teach people how to do exercises, even if you have to sit in a chair. He has done it many times. He turned 80, and he has been going to retirement homes and literally work with people sitting on a chair, letting them do exercises. And they are exhausted afterwards, which is great, which means you did something. It makes you feel good. Stagnation, stagnation causes decaying, causes death. We are in a phenomenal capacity to start doing exercises. Now, some people take it to the complete extreme. They work out very hard, lift heavy weights, do long running, and if that works for you, that's fine. But the variety of exercises, working on core muscles, the, the stomach, the side, the, the quads, the hamstrings, the, the ankles, the calves, the shins, working on the neck, working on the shoulders, the upper back, the lower back, the upper arm, the forearm, the hand. There are so many muscles in our body that keeps us moving and that, that, that are dependent on blood flow. If you can do something, I know there are people who have been in car accidents, whiplashes, um, uh, injuries, war injuries, trauma, emotional trauma, all different reasons to say, my time has passed, uh, this, is my, this is my fate till I die, and they will not take the effort in their own hands in order to start something. Find a friend if you need the motivation. Find somebody, maybe it's your partner, and say, let's do this. Let's spend five minutes a day doing some exercises. Five minutes. In a week, you're going to find out it's 10 minutes. You simply do it. It becomes easy. You make it a routine. Folks, one of the biggest problems why we die is because we have become stagnant. One of the main reasons why we start having problems as we age is because we have become stagnant. We do know that hormones are changing. Certain ones go up, most of them go down. The imbalance of hormones can cause us to either have the motivation or the strength to do what we're supposed to do. If for whatever reason you are able to start doing any kind of resistance training, 5-pound weight, 2-pound weight, 25-pound weight, 100-pound weight. I don't care where you're at. You can start, I wouldn't do 100-pound weights, but light weights, 15 pounds. There are certain exercises you can do. You can do squats, like bending down the knees, holding two weights in each, one weight in each hand. Gives you a little bit more resistance, works a little bit stronger on the legs. You can learn how to balance on one foot. That gives you a balance. The, the aches and pains you start to feel by leaning on one foot 
and maybe just hold one of your fingers against the wall, just the minimum support so that you don't fall over, you start feeling how much your leg and your foot start shaking. That means you are twitching all those little muscles and ligaments and tendons. But one of the big problems that people as they age have is losing their balance, falling down, breaking bones, and not have the resources in the body to recuperate from that. So, in any case, <laughs> I just wanted to give you a hint. For those who are regular exercises, there are always things to improve your life. But for those who have forgotten how to do it, these were some simple ways to try it. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. Thank you for the well wishes. Thank you for 19 years of listenership. I look forward in talking to you again next week, Saturday, for another edition of Gesundheit with Jacobus. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful weekend, and I appreciate your support. Bye-bye.